Gospel of John, chapter number 13. We're going to read verse 21 and 22, and then we'll skip down to verse number 25. John, chapter 13, if you found it, say amen. Verse number 21, when Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked, on, looked one on another, doubting of who he spake. Verse 25, he then lying on Jesus' breast saith unto him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, That thou doest, do quickly. Now no man at the table knew for what intent he spake this unto him. For some of them thought, because Judas had the bag that Jesus had sent unto him, buy those things that we have needed, that we have need of against the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. He then, having received the sop, went immediately out, and it was night. He then, having received the sop, went immediately out. And it was night. We'll preach for a little while this morning. Don't stop at the cross. Don't stop at the cross. Lord, I pray God anoint me to preach. God, I pray for a work of your spirit in this place. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to do a work of the Holy Ghost here. To manifest your presence. God, to open our mind and our heart to the will and the word, the will of your spirit into the word. I pray, Lord Jesus, help us to receive it with thanksgiving. Let the, let the spirit of revelation and understanding come on somebody. Let the gift of faith operate in this place. Help us to receive your word and God to take it and apply it to our lives. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to tear down strongholds in people's lives and in their minds and hearts. And I pray, God, that we would find our way back to the upper room again for a Holy Ghost outpouring. I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to let a fresh anointing fall on this congregation this morning. God, to move on every pew, on every life. I pray for a fresh baptism of your spirit into this house today. And God, I ask you to do it, the work by the Holy Ghost, God, to do it by your spirit. God, to destroy the strongholds that bind people's minds this morning, to bind, that bind people's hearts. And let there be a baptism of the fire of your spirit to fall on this house today. God, I'm asking you, Lord, I need your anointing. I plead your blood over this service, over the lives and the hearts. Come on, help me pray. I don't feel released to stop praying yet. I think there's a work of the Holy Ghost here, but I don't think we positioned ourselves right to receive it yet. God, I pray, Lord, help us to open our spirit to your spirit, our mind to yours, God, our hearts to you. Help us, God, to break free from the Sunday morning tradition that we've built for ourselves and just let you have your way. Let a revival start in somebody's life, in somebody's home. Let it start today. Let there be a release of anointing in this place, God. Oh, God, help us to press ourselves beyond our own mentality and our own limitations and press into the Spirit where there is no limitation, God, where you can do all things. Oh, God, hallelujah, I pray, Lord, do it in Jesus' name. Meet the hunger and the thirsting of somebody's soul today. God, do it in Jesus' name, Lord. In Jesus' name. And everybody said?
Amen. God bless you. Give the Lord a praise today. You can be seated in Jesus' name. As a boy growing up in church, I built mental images of the heroes of the Bible. I don't know if you are like me at all, or maybe you are, maybe you aren't, but when I would hear the stories of the Bible characters, I would imagine it in my mind. It's like I could see it. I would see Jacob wrestling with an angel all night. In my mind, I could see Esau eating his, his bowl of pottage that he sold his birthright for. I could see Moses with the rod stretched out over the Red Sea, and I could see Pharaoh as he hardened his heart and say, and, and, and commanded that they, that, that they bind, that they not let the people of Israel go. I could see David as he twirled the sling and Goliath as he fell to the ground. Throughout the Bible, you have the heroes and the villains, the good and the bad, the people who did great things and the people who did terrible things. And so it goes throughout the scripture till you get to the story of Jesus Christ. There's nobody like Jesus. Of all the great heroes in your Bible, there's none like Jesus Christ. In this story of Jesus, you have him, of course, who was a miracle worker, a savior, the epitome of all things good. And at the same time, in the story of the end of his life, you have some of the most terrible villains of all of history, Pilate and Herod. Pilate, who washed his hands of the matter, didn't have the courage to stand. And Herod, who allowed the execution to take place. The soldiers who beat him. You have those who tortured and crucified him. The high priest who instigated the crowd. And on and on you have the villains of this story. But in this real life, true story of Jesus there's one villain that stands out above all, or I should say below all the others. And that is this man, his name is Judas. If there is no Judas, then Pilate never has to wash his hands. If there is no Judas, then Herod never has the opportunity to have Jesus beaten with the cat of nine tails. If there is no Judas, then Peter never has to deny the Lord three times. And if there's no Judas, the crowd never cries for Barabbas. But because of this one man, Judas, he stands out as the greatest villain of all time. A man who betrayed his friend, his Savior, his Messiah, Jesus Christ, for the slave's price of 30 pieces of silver. The man who sold out his friend. The man who had walked with him, talked with him, followed him, selling him out in the back alleys and the dark streets of Jerusalem that night. Judas is the villain of all villains. How could he stoop so low to betray his Lord for a paltry price? Judas, who had seen Jesus work miracles, preach words that change lives, cast out devils, and still sell him. Judas, who watched Jesus turn water into wine, watched him restore sight to blind Bartimaeus, watched him heal and issue a blood and cleanse the lepers and raise the dead, watched him cast out a legion of devils, raise the Syrophoenician woman's son, from death and bring Lazarus out of the tomb, heard him preach to thousands, watched him feed 5,000 with five loaves and two fish, and then turn around another time and do it again. He saw him go to the pool of Bethesda and heal a man lame, and not one word of Jesus was ever wasted. 
And Judas got a front row seat to the greatest preacher, teacher, and miracle worker of all time. Had the unique opportunity to experience firsthand the greatness of the greatest man that ever lived and still sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. Can I tell you today that there's nobody like Jesus? Amen. If you hadn't said amen yet, that's a good place to say it. There's no one like Jesus. Over the centuries, people have come and gone that have done great things. Inventors and politicians and leaders and all of the above. But not one of them have ever began to approach the greatness of Jesus Christ. There's nobody like him. He's healed more than all the doctors in all time combined. He's helped more hearts than all the psychologists and psychiatrists the world over. He's raised more dead than every surgeon that there's ever been combined. There's nobody like Jesus. He's healed. He's helped more alcoholics than all the treatment programs in all the world put together in all of time. There's nobody like Jesus. Amen. And over our text this morning in John chapter number 13, the Bible tells us in this chapter, as we're drawing to the end of the life of Jesus Christ, this chapter tells us of the last meal. They call it literally the last supper. It's the last meeting between Jesus and his disciples before his arrest and his eventual crucifixion. Jesus had been conditioning the disciples for his death. He had foreshadowed that soon he was going to be crucified. In verse number 18, Jesus said that one of his disciples would betray him. In verse 21, the Bible said he was troubled in his spirit. And he told his disciples again, one of you shall betray me. Judas hears the message that Jesus is telling them that he's going to be betrayed, arrested, crucified, killed. Jesus looked at Judas himself and said, what you do, do quickly. And in verse number 30 of John 13, the Bible said he, speaking of Judas, having received the sop, went immediately out and it was night. In verse 30, Judas goes out into the night, closes the door, will never speak to Jesus again for the rest of his life. Judas went out. He left that room that night to go meet with the priests and betray Jesus. He went to get his 30 pieces of silver. He heard from Jesus' lips the last message that he ever heard Jesus preach was in that upper room at the Last Supper where he said, I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. He heard the message of the crucifixion, the death, and the betrayal. And the Bible said when he went out that it was nighttime. Judas would never hear the voice of Jesus again. He would never hear the message. He would never hear the lessons from the Lord. Never again would he hear the voice of mercy and grace as it rumbled out among the people. Never one more time would he hear the sweet voice of the Messiah as he spoke mercy and kindness and deliverance. Here in just a few more moments, Jesus is going to be arrested. He's going to eventually be beaten and suffer greatly. And he's going to die on an old rugged cross for the sins of you and I and all that have come thereafter. The cross is the transition point of all of human history. You cannot live without the cross. Amen. The cross is indispensable. It's imperative. It's essential. The value of the cross could never be overstated. Without the cross, 
there's no redemption. Without the cross, there's no forgiveness. Without the cross, there's no salvation. Thank God for the cross on Calvary's rugged hill. Oh, thank God for the price paid at that cross was the price for your sin and my sin. The blood that was shed at the cross was shed to buy your redemption, your forgiveness, your renewal. It bought your salvation. If not for the wondrous cross of Christ, we'd have no hope. We'd have no way to overcome our sin nature. Thank God for the cross. Thank God for the old rugged cross that bought my redemption. Amen. The old songwriter, I think he said it just about as good as anybody did when he said at Calvary's hill of sorrow where sin's demands were paid and rays of hope for tomorrow across our path were laid. Amen. I remember those old songs. Sometimes that's the only thing I can remember. Amen. At the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light and the burdens of my soul rolled away. It was there by faith. Hey, I received my sight. And now I'm happy all the day. It was at the cross, my friend. It was at the cross. Every one of us that's ever been born again found our way to the cross and pled for the blood of Jesus. Amen. I'm I'm trying. I'm trying my best to be good this morning. I promise I am. But but I'm going to tell you, I have have a little bit of a fear about modern Pentecostalism because we can sure shout when we talk about the things that Jesus can do for us and give us. We shout when we talk about healing and we shout when we talk about financial blessings and we get excited when we talk about joy and peace but I'm afraid we've forgotten how to get excited when we talk about the blood and the cross and the first things that it took to buy redemption. If I never get healed, but I get saved by the blood, then I'm better off being sick and going to heaven than I am being healed and being, thank God for the blood. Hallelujah. You know, there were a lot of people that Jesus healed The Bible said that he healed multitudes on many occasions. He would walk up. The Bible said at one time that as many as touched the hem of his garment were made whole. He healed multitudes, but there were multitudes that got their healing when Jesus prayed for them, but never made their way to the cross and got born again. And they died healed, but lost. Thank God for healing, but thank God more for the blood that washes away. Oh, I will cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I'll cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. You got to go by the cross to be saved, my friends. The cross. Look at somebody. Tell them the cross. The cross was the battering ram that broke down the wall of partition between sinful man and a holy God. It was the cross that bridged the gap between the sinner and the Savior. It was the cross with its brutal agony and its bloody cruelty. It was the cross that made a pathway that you and I could be restored to salvation. If not for the cross, we'd have no hope. If not for the cross, there'd be no salvation. If not for the cross, there'd be no redemption from addiction and alcoholism and sinfulness. But it's the cross. It's the cross that made a way. Though you be the vilest sinner, the cross is enough for you. Though you be the worst sinner in this building today, you can't be so bad that the cross didn't make a way. All those years you spent putting dope in your veins. All those years you spent drowning out your sorrows with the devil's liquor. All the years you spent away from him. All of that compiled together was obliterated by one drop of the blood. Thank God for the blood. 
Thank God for, my God, I feel it right. I feel it flow. It flowed again when somebody was baptized. The blood's enough. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they did their best to cover themselves. The Bible said they made themselves aprons of fig leaves. That's why many scholars believe that the fruit they ate in the garden, the forbidden fruit, was actually the fig. Because as soon as they ate it, their eyes were illuminated and they knew that they were naked and they were ashamed and they grabbed the nearest, it would make sense that they grabbed the nearest thing to them, and they tried to cover themselves. That's why a lot of people believe it wasn't an apple, that it was a fig that they ate, and that that was the forbidden fruit at the time. And so when man did his best to cover himself, he grabbed fig leaves and and made themselves aprons to cover themselves. But man can never cover his own sin. The best that man can do still isn't good enough to take away sin. You can do all the good deeds you want to try to do, but that won't take away your, and you ought to try, but it's not going to take away your sins. You can be the kindest, most gentle person in the world, but you cannot take your sin, your own sin, away. Adam and Eve did the very best they can to cover themselves, but the fig leaf wasn't enough. So Jesus, the Bible said that, that God came and he made coats of skins to cover them. Animals had to die. Blood had to be shed to cover the sins of Adam and Eve. Amen. But that blood, though it covered it for a moment, it never took away their sin forever. And you fast forward and you come to the time when it was time to bring a sacrifice. And Cain brought the fruit of the earth and was rejected. And Abel brought an animal from his flock, the very best that he had, a lamb without blemish. And when he brought it to God and sacrificed it, that animal died and the blood flowed at the altar. And the Bible said that God received his sacrifice, but that sacrifice was only temporary. It didn't take away sin forever. Fast forward some more and Noah comes off of the ark and the Bible said he offered one of every clean beast and one of every fowl of the air and gallons of blood flowed on that altar that day. But all that blood that Noah shed, the Bible said it went up to God as a sweet smelling savor, but still it was not enough to take away the penalty of sin. Every morning there was a blood sacrifice. Every evening, there was a blood sacrifice. For centuries, morning and evening, animals were slain and blood was spilled. And all it did was push sin back a little bit more. When Solomon dedicated the temple, they sacrificed gallons. Thousands of animals were sacrificed. And the Lord looked at it and his presence filled the house of God. But none of that animal's blood could take away the sins of mankind for the Bible said it is not possible that the blood and bull of bulls and goats should take away sin all the millions of animals sacrificed over the centuries and not one of those animals blood was enough to remove the penalty of sin off of somebody but my Bible and your Bible says that Christ become a high priest of a better and more perfect tabernacle gave his life once and when the blood of Jesus was shed at the cross addiction was broken alcoholism was broken perversion was broken the original sin was broken because of the power of the cross hallelujah Hallelujah. Amen. Because of the power of the cross of Jesus Christ, the blood shed on the cross, the brutal, bloody cross of Calvary was necessary. The cross was the power that destroyed the work of sin. And the Bible said our sins were nailed to that cross. On Jesus was put the iniquity 
of us all. He who knew no sin was made sin for us. You hear what that said? He was made sin. That means that every sin you've ever committed, Jesus carried that to the cross. Every lie he ever told, everything he ever stole, every drug he ever took, every drink, everything you ever did, it was nailed on the cross with Jesus Christ. And when that blood flowed out of his body, it carried it away. Colossians 2 and 14 says it this way, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. Amen. You know what he's saying? He's saying the law, the ordinances were against us. The law was, you're a sinner, you deserve to die. The law was, you should die for your own sin. But he said that the blood blotted out the handwriting of the ordinances that where the law said, where the law said, Aaron, you've got to die for your sin, the blood blotted it out. Couldn't see the law anymore. When the law said, Peyton, you're going to die a sinner because you can't save yourself. When the blood hit that law, it blotted it out and couldn't see the law anymore. It blotted out the handwriting and the order. Man, I, I don't know. Man, I, I, I can't help but get excited when I think about it. Marshall, how many laws, how many laws were against you that said you can never be saved, that you've done too much, but when the blood touched you at an altar, it blotted it out and said, I don't see it anymore. It, hand, it blotted it out. The law was contrary. It was against you. Can I tell you the law was against you? But the Bible said he took it out of the way. And nailed it to his cross. Hallelujah. You ought to lift your hands and thank God for the cross. He died for me. Come on, you ought to thank him. He died for me. He died. He suffered for me. He went to that cross for me. Go ahead and lift your hands and thank him for the blood. Oh, the cruel suffering on that cross. The cruel pain that he went through. The flesh of his back ripped with a cat of nine tails. A crown of thorns pressed into his brow. Nails through his hands and his feet, a spear through his side. And every drop of blood was shed for people that would reject him, walk away from him. Thank God for the cross. Thank God for the cross. Everybody ought to raise their hand in the air right now and start to thank God for the power of his cross. That he nailed your sins to that cross. That he became sin. Think of all the things you've ever done that, were con that was contrary to him and to his word. And all that together he took on himself. He carried it himself to the cross. But as wonderful and necessary and amazing as the cross is, the cross can't be where you stop. The cross can't be the end of your experience with God. For the gospel of Jesus Christ is the death, the burial, and the resurrection, not just the death. In the upper room where the Last Supper took place, Judas heard about the cross and suffering. The Bible said that he heard about the suffering and he went out and it was night. And if all you ever hear about is the suffering and the pain and the betrayal, you'll never find the joy that comes really in knowing Jesus Christ in his fullness.
No sooner did the door close behind Judas when Jesus, as soon as he, the Bible said in verse 30, John 13 and 30, that he went out and it was night. And in the very next verse, verse 31, therefore when he, Judas, was gone out, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified and God is glorified in him. Jesus as soon as the door closed, it's like the whole conversation shifted from suffering and betrayal and pain to God being glorified. Judas heard about death and he heard about suffering, heard about betrayal, but he didn't get the next lesson about God being glorified. Can I tell you, when it comes to being a Christian, we are in danger sometimes of stopping at the cross. The cross is essential, but you can't stop there. Amen. If you're not careful, you'll miss the rest of the message. And that's what Judas did. He heard about dying and betrayal and sacrifice. He heard about being heavy in spirit, but he totally missed the message about God being glorified. Amen. He was gone before it got to the glory. And I've seen some people suffer through some things in life. Can I preach to you a little while? Y'all got just a little bit of time to be preached to here this morning? I've seen people leave the church when they're going through their struggle and their trial. They walk away and say, somebody betrayed me. Or I'm going through this suffering and this happened. And they leave. And they leave before God gets to the glorifying part. They leave when they're going through the trial and the struggle and they don't stay around long enough to know that in the midst of the struggle that God can be glorified and the suffering isn't the end of the story and the betrayal isn't the end of the story and the sadness isn't the end of the story. But on the other side of the suffering, uh, there's the glory of God that can be revealed. So one thing I've come to preach is to somebody that's going through a struggle right now. Don't stop at the struggle. Don't stop where you're at, but keep going because there's still glory on the other side of your struggle. On the other side of the betrayal, there's still glory. Don't stop at your struggle. I'm trying to help somebody that's going through it right now to not throw in the towel and go out into the night and miss the story about the resurrection and miss the story of the Holy Ghost. Don't go out too soon. He was gone before it got to the glory. Too many people walk out before the glory has a chance to come down. And so they miss the point of their struggle. They short-circuit short, they short their breakthrough because they leave in the struggle phase and don't wait for the glory to come down. If Judas would have just stuck around a little while longer, he would have heard so much more. Here's what he would have heard next, John 14 and 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Judas, you left before you got to hear about heaven. You left when you were at your low point and you didn't stick it out to find out that there's a mansion on the other side of your struggle. I wish somebody would say amen right now. But he left. He didn't hang around. He went out into the darkness before he had a chance to hear that there's a heaven on the other side of the cross. John 14 and 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. But while Jesus is saying that, Judas is negotiating with priests in an alley somewhere. Judas is getting a handful of silver while Jesus says if you'd have stayed, you could have had not just a little silver, you could have had the way, you could have had the truth, and you could have had the life, but you left before it got to life. Ha. Woo, Jesus, 
Don't stop at the cross. Don't stop at the cross. You got to keep going. There's more beyond the cross. While Judas is out there trying to get his silver in his pocket, Jesus in John 14, 8 and 9, Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. If you'll let us see God, we'll be happy. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet thou hast not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. He lost the revelation that Jesus was more than a man born in a stable, but he's God manifest in the flesh. That the reason he could walk on water was because he was God. That the reason he could heal the sick and raise Judas, you missed the whole lesson. You didn't stay long. You got you stopped in the middle of your struggle and you didn't keep going to find out that he's everything. He could have got the revelation of the one God in Christ, but he was already out the door. John 14 and 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. Judas, you could have done great things for God if you'd have just stayed with it. If you'd have just hung around a little longer, you could have done greater works. Judas, you could have seen miracles, but you left. Judas, you could have walked in the power and the demonstration of the Spirit, but you got out too soon. Can I tell you, if you get out of the church before God does His complete work in you, you're going to miss on the great things that God wants to do through you and your family and your church. you got to stick it out. you got to stick it out through your trials, through your temptations, through your problems. You can't just go out. If you go out, it'll be nighttime, and you'll never get the light again. So you just got to keep going. John 14 and 14, if ye shall ask anything, if ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. I wonder if missing that lesson was the reason why Judas went out and hung himself. Because he didn't know I can go and ask anything. You mean I can even ask forgiveness for betraying you for 30 pieces of silver? He said, I said, if you can ask anything, I'll do it. You mean I can get forgiveness for selling you out to the high priest? I said, if you could ask anything, I'll do it. See, Simon Peter betrayed the Lord three times, but Simon Peter stayed around long enough to hear that. And so when he heard the cock crow, Peter went back and said, forgive me. And he knew that Jesus said, if you'll ask anything, I'll do it. So he asked, because he stayed long. You got to hang out. You got to stay. You got to stay. I wish somebody would praise the Lord right now. I'm trying to encourage somebody. Don't stop at the cross. Don't stop at the suffering. Don't stop at the pain. You got to keep going. Don't short-circuit the miracle that's coming in your life. Don't short-circuit the breakthrough that's coming your way. Don't go. Don't, don't short-circuit what God wants to do in your life because you didn't stay long enough. Hmm. Judas is out collecting soldiers to arrest the Lord. And while he's out doing that, here's what Jesus says in John 14 and 18. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. You mean when you die, you're not going to be dead? You mean when you die, you're coming back? I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Don't fret about the cross because I'm coming back. Don't be dismayed about the suffering and the blood because I'm coming back. Don't be depressed about the tomb and the graveyard because I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm coming to you. Hey, don't worry about what the world does to you. Jesus is going to meet you. He's coming back. He's not going to leave you comfortless. 
Hallelujah. I've come to tell somebody, you might be going through the worst trial of your life, but he will not leave you comfortless. He will come to you in your trouble, in your trial, in your... My God, I would... Somebody ought to be shouting right now. Don't you let the devil steal this word out of your mind. Don't you let the devil steal this message out of your life today. Jesus is trying to tell you that your suffering's not the end of the story. Your struggle's not the end of the story. Woo, Jesus. Can I go a little bit further? John 14, 25. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. He said, now look, Judas Judas isn't present with him. He's already gone out. But all the rest of them are there. He said, I'm telling you this while I'm still with you. I'm telling you this now while you're here so that when I'm not here, you'll remember what I said and you'll find your way back to the same upper room. He said, I'm present with you now, but I want you to remember. And then he said the next verse, verse 26, but the comforter. Which is the Holy Ghost. Amen. Now, now let, let, get, get, give, me just, give me just a few seconds to, to set this up. Because it, 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 now look, we're taking this trip to Israel. And if you want your life to change, you'll go. Because I, I was in the upper room where the Holy Ghost was poured out. And when you, where, you, where they let you enter the upper room, Brother Benny, you walk all the way across to the other wall. And on the other wall, there's a little stairwell, about five stairs or so. And there's a door. And they got the door locked. You can't go through that door right now. And on the other side of that door is where the Last Supper happened. So it's this big, massive room and, and this little stairway. And that door wasn't there before. And so they would eat there and hang out down here. And, and, and so in that, they, they wouldn't let the door was locked. And so what I did is I took my phone and I set it down on the floor under the crack of the door. And so I got just a little sliver of the other part of the upper room. I mean, I was there. Why not? They said I couldn't go in. They didn't say my phone couldn't. <laughs> and so in, in my phone roll, I got this little sliver of the place where Jesus was sitting with his disciples. <laughs> he's in this upper room. And he says, the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. He said, in this very same room, those of you that don't stop at the cross, you'll climb those same steps back to this upper room here in about 50 days or so. And when you climb back up into this upper room, the comforter is going to come on you. So what he's saying is don't stop at the cross. Don't stop at the Cal- at Calvary. Don't stop just at the suffering and the dying and the bleeding. But you keep on going. Because if you'll make your way back to this upper room, the Holy Ghost is going to come on you. And when the Holy Ghost comes on you, it's going to revolutionize everything. But Judas didn't hear about the Holy Ghost. And Judas didn't hear about the Comforter. And Judas didn't hear about heaven. And Judas didn't hear about resurrection. But Simon Peter stayed there for the whole thing. So when he fell, he knew I got to get my way back to that upper room so I can get the comforter to bring me. You can't stop. Listen, you can't stop. the. Judas, was it worth it to go out there? Judas, was it worth it to leave before you heard the rest of the message? Can I preach to you just a minute or two more? And I tell you, that's where most denominations have missed the glory of the New Testament. Because they'll take their converts as far as the cross. They'll take them to repentance and say, accept the Lord as your Savior. They'll get them to the cross and then they'll leave them there. But beyond the cross, there's a resurrection. The gospel is the death, the burial, 
and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The cross is the death, but you still got to go to the graveyard and be buried. That's what we call baptism, that the Bible said we're buried with him in baptism. And if you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, don't quit at the cross. Don't stop at repentance, but go ahead and take that next step and be buried in the name of Jesus Christ. There's nothing like the name of Jesus. Amen. Can I preach to you a little bit more? Do not accept. Do not accept a substitute for the biblical formula of baptism because there's nothing like the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm glad to know he's my father, and I'm glad to know that he was the son, and I'm glad to know that he came down as the Holy Ghost, but I'm more glad to know that his name is Jesus, and we're baptized in the name of Jesus. We're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. It's the name of Jesus that pushes those sins away. It's the name of Jesus that adopts you into the family. Hallelujah. It's the name of Jesus that brings you into the family of God. You got to take on his name. Don't stop at the cross, but go to the burial too. But don't stop in a cemetery. Don't stop in the cemetery. You got to step out of that grave and you got to go to the upper room and get baptized with the Holy Ghost. Don't let denominationalism, don't let denominationalism stop you from going all the way to back to the upper room. I'm glad I've been born again. I'm glad I found the cross and I'm glad I found the tomb and I'm glad I made my way back to the upper room. Don't stop at the, there's more. stop at the cross you got to keep on going because there's more than death there's burial and there's resurrection Judas only heard as much of the cross but he didn't hear the rest of the story don't let some preacher lie to you and tell you that there's nothing beyond just accepting the Lord there's an upper room baptism that you can have do I have any witnesses in the house that there's more than the cross you can keep on going there's more for you there's more for you there's more for you you can have it all Woo! hallelujah So I was in Egypt, and we baptized a Trinitarian pastor in Jesus' name. Baptized him and his wife. And thank God their church is doing awesome. I think they baptized like eight people three or four weeks ago. Thank God for that. Amen. But I, I remember, I remember watching a video from several years ago while Brother Zar was preaching. And, uh, and, and this man, his name was Amjad was interpreting the message. And Brother Azar is preaching about one God in Jesus' name. And while he's preaching, this, this, this denominational preacher is interpreting. The man that's interpreting doesn't know what we believe, doesn't believe what we believe. All he'd been raised was to know. He only went to the cross, but he never went he never went to the cemetery, to the grave, and on back to the upper room. But I watched the video. I'll have to get Brother Azar to send it to me sometime. That while Brother Azar is preaching the gospel, all of a sudden while he's preaching, the revelation of truth comes on the interpreter. And when it comes on the interpreter, he is overcome by the Spirit of God. While he's supposed to be interpreting, God touches him and fills him with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And then I got to stand there while he was being baptized 
in Jesus' name because there's more beyond the cross. I've come to tell everybody in this place there's a Holy Ghost baptism. You can have it for you. Man, I'd be excited if I thought there was more than just death. Woo, glory to God. I've come to tell somebody there's a breakthrough for you. There's a breakthrough for you. There's a Holy Ghost baptism for you. Hallelujah. Stand with me if you will. Don't stop at the cross. Don't stop at the suffering. Because there's an upper room promise for somebody in this place. Why don't you lift your hands all over this place? Hallelujah. Come on, I feel the presence of the Lord in this place. Maybe your religious background doesn't have a framework of Pentecostalism, and I understand that, and I've not come to put down your experience, but I've come to tell you there indeed was an upper room visitation, and there's more. There's more than ritual. There's more than form and fashion. i got to go beyond the cross to the grave and to the upper room experience. Hallelujah. Oh, God, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, are there any intercessors here right now? There's some contemplation going on in the spirit right now. Somebody's thinking. Let me tell you, if you've never repented of your sins, you can do it right where you are right now. You don't have to talk Bible talk. You can just say, God, I need you to forgive me. I'm sorry for my sins. Maybe you've strayed away from where you know you ought to be. You can renew yourself through repentance right now. Come on, all over this place there ought to be some praying. God, forgive me. God, cleanse my mind, my heart, my spirit. I don't want to stop at the pain. I don't want to stop at the suffering. I, want, I don't want to stop at betrayal. Let me keep on going with you, Lord. Are you helping me pray right now? While your hands are lifted to heaven, I've come to tell somebody, if you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, you ought to let one of our ministers baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ. Even if you've been baptized somewhere else in the, in the terms Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, you need to be baptized with the name of Jesus called over you, the name that's above every name. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men. There's no other name but the name of Jesus. And if you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, you ought to do it today. I'm going to tell you how important it is, because in the Bible, when Simon Peter... When he was preaching to people that hadn't been baptized, he didn't just say, hey, you ought to go get baptized. You know what he told them? The Bible said he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. That's how important it is. He wasn't willing to let them leave without compelling them. And so here I am this morning while your eyes are closed. If you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, where the preacher called Jesus' name over you while you were going under the water, I command you today to be baptized in the name of the Lord. But you got to go beyond the cross. And as awesome as repentance is and as awesome as baptism is, there's a promise. Oh, hallelujah. There's an upper room promise of the Holy Ghost being poured out. Hallelujah. And you can throw your hands in the air. And you can say, God, I want the promise of the Holy Ghost. But if you've not repented and you've not been baptized, you don't have the promise yet. The promise comes after you've obeyed what you can do. 
Because you can't baptize yourself with the Holy Ghost, but you can repent. God, I'm sorry. God, forgive me. You can't baptize yourself with the Holy Ghost, but you can say, hey, I need somebody to baptize me in Jesus' name. And when you do what you can do, then God does what only He can do. He baptizes with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And it's the great, man, you talk about an experience. Wow. Woo, man, I remember the night I got baptized with the Holy Ghost. I'll never forget it. My, my, my. There's nothing else. There's nothing else like it. Hallelujah. Amen. So as your hands are lifted in the air right now, this whole church is an altar. If you've got any sin in your life, you ought to say, God, I want you to forgive me for it right now. I need you, Lord. Don't stop at the cross, but this, but you got to start there. Don't stop at the cross, but you, but that's where you got to start. God, forgive me. It's the death. You got to die. You got to repent. You got to say that repentance is dying to sin. God, forgive me. Help me, Lord, to turn away. Come on, we got time to pray. Go ahead and start singing softly. We got time to pray right now. Lord, I need you to forgive me. I need you to touch me. I need you, God, to restore me. I need, oh God, that remission of sin. I need you, God. If you've been baptized and you've repented already, you can be renewed in the Holy Ghost. You can throw your hands to heaven and say, baptize me, Jesus, with a fresh anointing. Maybe you want to come to the altar, but you don't want to come by yourself. Somebody will meet you at the altar, I promise you. Nobody's going to think ill of you or bad of you. You have nothing to be embarrassed about by coming to an altar. One of the most, one of the bravest things you can ever do is confront your eternity by taking a step out and coming to an altar and saying, God, I need you today. And somebody wants to. You ought to just do it. Whether you've been in this church 50 years or, or just came today for the very first time, you ought to step out from where you are. You ought to make your way to an altar and you ought to throw your hands up and say, Jesus, I want everything that you have my life. Come on, there's room. Come on, why don't you step on out? Our church people ought to be making this easy. They ought to be walking down the aisle right now themselves. God, for a renewing of the Holy Ghost, for a fresh anointing. This altar's for everybody. It's not for the righteous. It's for the righteous and the unrighteous. This altar's for the member and the guest. right. Reach over and pray with somebody close to you. Let there be an anointing of the Holy Ghost that flows in this place.
increase, as you increase, as you increase, it's all about you. It's all about you. Oh, it's not about me. It's not about me. I decree. I decree. Oh, Jesus, as you increase, oh, it's all about you. was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. This certifies that Gregory Work was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And this certifies that James Vickers was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's rejoice and thank the Lord. He's still a life changer. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Going to be a great service tonight. You don't want to miss it. Four o'clock, Brother Evan Grizzle is going to be teaching the class. That's four o'clock in the discipleship room. I'd like for it to get so full that we got to bring it out here. And you're welcome. We encourage everyone to come that would like to. 6 o'clock prayer, church at 6.30 with the Grizzles. Remember, tent revival. Everybody say tent revival. We have lots of these up here for you to take. We we'll hope you'll, when you, when you leave some at work, give them to your neighbors. If you live in a neighborhood, you can pass them out. Uh, go through the drive-thru, hand it to the person that gives you your food. But just take them. And let's make sure that we don't end up with any of these not passed out because every one of these is potential to reach somebody. They're up here in front of me. Amen. Amen. So come get those. Looking forward to a great day. God bless you. But first steps, first steps is starting in just a few minutes out in the dining room of the school. So please go out there for first steps. And we've got more of these. If you don't want to come up to the front to grab these, these, uh, these handouts, there's some at the table in the vestibule. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.